guest is Keith Luke, Economic Development Director for Maine's Capital City by day and thoroughbred horse racing enthusiast the rest of the time. Keith Luke joins us by phone. In just a word, you can find this show and all podcasts on iTunes, Spotify, SoundCloud, and now also on the web at syndicatemedia.net. That's syndicate with a C, media.net. Welcome, Keith Luke. Uh, hi, uh, it's great to be with you uh, this afternoon. Well, I really appreciate your time. And my first question is, how did a kid from Maine get hooked on thoroughbred racehorsing? <laughs> of course, that's a, that's a great question, Cynthia. And uh, the, the, the answer is, uh, it, it all came out of photography. I, I got, uh, I've been uh, uh, passionate. I've been uh, passionate about photography for many years now. And it was only 2015 when uh, my girlfriend, Barbara Fury, and I went to our first thoroughbred horse race uh, down in New Jersey, where we watched a horse named American Pharaoh win the Haskell, this after he won the uh, Triple Crown. Uh, And it was quite an introduction to the sport. Now, what is, I noticed on um, your sites around social media and whatnot, that you're part of Donegal Racing. What is that? Donegal Racing is a a syndicate group. Uh, There are uh, probably between 20 and 40 owners in any given year. It is headed by uh, Jerry Crawford, who's a prominent attorney based in Des Moines, Iowa. Uh, And they are uh, well-respected in the thoroughbred industry. They won, of course, uh, they are, are famous as the syndicate group that beat American Pharaoh in the Travers Stakes back in 2015, the only horse to beat American Pharaoh. Uh, and we got connected with, uh, with that group through uh, connections uh, that Barbara had. Uh, and uh, we've, we've been involved with them ever since. Uh, so are you like a partner? Are you one of the part owners of the, of the collective of horses that they buy every year? That is correct. We, 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 are, we are full share owners of, of Donegal Racing. Uh, and each year, one of the things that's, that's great about the way that uh, Donegal runs their program uh, is that uh, they, they buy typically between uh, 8 and 16 horses a year. Uh, they raise capital on an annual basis, uh, and then they divvy up shares. And every owner has a stake, an equal share, uh, in all of the horses and horse racing is a numbers game, Cynthia. Uh, the, the odds every year there are uh, 20,000 thoroughbreds born in the United States. Only uh, about 20 of them will make, for example, the Kentucky Derby. So your odds are long, but they improve with the more horses you own. And our goal uh, is to own as, as many competitive horses uh, as we can to increase our chances of having that one exceptional horse. So I'm just curious in terms of, is it like any other business investment? So at the end of the year, you just rack up your wins and losses on your tax return like you would a partner in any other business? Is it that That, that is thing? exactly correct. It's okay. an LLC. I get a K-1 form uh, just as uh, any other participant in an LLC would. Now, you are by day the economic development director for the city of Augusta in Maine. And it seems like 
economic development when it comes to horse racing around here is not looking so good. Scarborough Downs, after 70 years, just recently closed, and we're left with just one horse racing facility, I believe, in Bangor. Is there a future for Maine when it comes to horse racing and economic development? Uh, that's a good question, and I think things are, are looking up. There's a lot of enthusiasm right now uh, for a new harness racing venue somewhere in southern Maine. Uh, I think uh, the, the Chinquette family is very involved in thoroughbred racing or very interested in it. Uh, we will see uh, a full schedule of, of harness racing uh, at uh, Cumberland Fairgrounds starting this summer. Uh, that's very exciting. Of course, these things exist on different scales. Harness racing uh, in Maine is is uh, an outgrowth of family farming, the fair circuit, uh, the, the trotters, the standard breads are great fun to watch uh, and also offer the potential for, for well, you know, local people to get involved in an ownership or a training standpoint. Um, but it's smaller in scale. Uh, you, you don't have to travel far. You can go to your local fair. The fair circuit still strong in Maine. Uh, and things are going well at, at Bangor Raceway as well. Uh, well, what is the, what is the magic um, of the Kentucky Derby? I've, tell me if you've been there. I'm, I'm imagining that you have. And what, what is it about the Kentucky Derby that just attracts so much uh, it, it's of course it's the fastest two minutes in sports for people uh, our age who grew up watching the wide world of sports uh during the 60s 70s right. and 80s uh it was along with uh, the preakness and the belmont stakes uh one of the major spring sports events and there's always always a big build up around it cynthia uh that is uh uh that the the whether it was ABC or now NBC that have the broadcast rights, they build it up. Uh, it, it's uh, subjected to a lot of <laughs> benefits from a lot of a lot of marketing, uh, and then it's always very exciting to watch. And uh, the Kentucky Derby stands out as the Kentucky Derby stands out as uh, one of the the premier uh, events. One of one of the premier events in uh, all of sports, you know, whether we're talking the Masters, the World Series, the Super Bowl, uh, it just benefits from uh, being one of the one of the top uh, one of the top events in the country, in the uh, maybe the world. Is it hard? Know. Is it hard to get tickets? to the Kentucky Derby and how much do they cost? Uh, well, you can get into the Kentucky Derby affordably um, for, I, I think, as little as, well, it depends on your perspective, Cynthia. You can get into the Kentucky Derby for probably as little as $250 or you can spend $10,000. Um, fortunately, uh, we would be able to get tickets <laughs> <laughs> at the lower end of that spectrum um but uh it, it all depends on how badly you want to go uh, a couple years ago there were some pretty big scandals um related to the horse racing industry there was doping scandals um there was the um um jason service the trainer who was indicted uh for doping right. the maximum security horse what 
Was that something that surprised you, or what are your concerns around some of the, um, the, the doping issues and other scandals connected with horse racing? Uh, of course, it's a big issue, and it's been a big issue not only in uh, thoroughbred racing, but in all sports of all types everywhere uh, for, you know, going on 30 or 40 years now. Uh, I was pleased to, to be part of uh, the effort to pass the Horse Racing Integrity Act, uh, which was uh, signed into law by President Trump, uh, one of his last acts in office, uh, actually. And I was asked to get involved uh, in, in uh, getting the in, in uh bringing the uh, Horse Racing Integrity Act uh, through the process uh, by by working with Senator Collins' office. Senator Collins was the, the first Republican co-sponsor uh, of the Horse Racing Integrity Act. And that really, her participation uh, as a Senate co-sponsor really, really set that uh, up for, uh, up to move forward. Uh, forward for passage and it's really a, a revolutionary uh it's going to be a game changer oh that's well sport. tell me a little bit more about that because i'm not aware what is the horse racing integrity act what's the purpose of the law what does it uh, hope to do it, it it will set up a national testing a national drug testing program uh for uh, horses in, in the thoroughbred industry uh, from coast to coast. Right now, each horse racing jurisdiction uh, manages its own testing regimen uh, from uh, the state of Maine uh, with the harness racing uh, to the really major players like the uh, New York Racing Association uh, in New York, Kentucky, uh, out in California. All of these individual jurisdictions have their own testing regimens. Uh, they're all different. Uh, and it can be a challenge for uh, trainers uh, to meet all of the rules or, or be up to speed on everything all the time. And we're really, with the Horse Racing Integrity Act, uh, we are setting a, a level and consistent playing field uh, across the table, across the country, uh, so that uh, trainers know the bar they need to reach and not go over. Oh, and, that's uh, good. Got to be a game changer. We really appreciate uh, Senator Collins' uh, enthusiastic participation in getting that piece of legislation passed. So, is the New York uh, Racing Association the industry group that was leading the effort, or is there another lobbying effort for? Uh, it was uh, really uh, it was spearheaded by uh, ownership groups uh, like uh, West Point Thoroughbreds uh, is another uh, syndicate outfit, one that I've also been involved with. Uh, it's really owners uh, more than tr- track or racing organizations that, that, that are behind this because we're all very concerned about the animals. We're all very concerned as owners about playing on a level field. Uh, and uh, we're, we're, we're not done with that effort yet, but the Integrity Act uh, gets us a long way there. I was going to ask you about betting, if you could just like explain on a very, very, very high level as if you were explaining to children, but it occurred to me, as a member of a syndicate organization, an owner of the horses, does that mean you don't bet? Oh, we can bet. Everyone 
everyone involved in the sport is allowed to bet, which creates an interesting, it's an interesting dynamic. Uh, horse racing, both harness racing and thoroughbred racing, are paramutual wagering, which means that uh, uh, instead of betting against the house, so to speak, as you do uh, in casino gambling, you are betting against all other wagerers and it is a uh, self-leveling um <laughs> wagering schematic as i might, might might refer to it as uh and there are uh, horse players who watch very carefully to see uh when the money comes uh into play uh where it goes and how the odds move uh as uh as uh the uh, post-time approaches for any individual race. I think one of the things that's important uh, maybe to point out is, uh, speaking for for myself at least, uh, we do uh, some way. The, the, the wagering certainly makes it fun, uh, but it is not the most fun for me personally and for, for many people involved. We're in it for the winning experience, uh, and if we can make some money along the way, that's great. There are people for whom the betting uh, is the thing, and uh, uh, that's another reason why having a level playing field uh, is important uh at a very basic level. Yeah, and so if you're an owner, a member of one of these syndication outfits, um, it could be that you sort of short your own horse. Like you, you could be betting, even though you own the horse, you could be betting against it. Uh, well, you simply wouldn't bet on the horse. You oh, would, I see. You would, you, you, you would bet on a different horse uh, to win place or show or maybe do one of the work them into another uh, uh, exotic. But that's, uh, that's good information to have. Yeah. information to have now um i have to know do you like mint juleps uh i do enjoy a, a, a mint julep uh or maybe two on a long afternoon but but uh <laughs> it's a straight alcohol cocktail you you know you don't want to have too many or you may end up wagering more than you'd like <laughs> that's funny well um Keith Luke, thank you so much for joining the podcast. Um, the pictures that you take and I see online are absolutely fabulous. Um, so your photography hobby could be the subject of another conversation if you ever want to come back. I would enjoy doing that, Cynthia. And you'll have to you'll have to join Barbara and I at uh, Saratoga some fine summer afternoon. Oh, I would love that. Thank you. Bye now. Take have care. a great weekend. You too.